began the gospel began to flourish and and grow and stretch into other towns and other cities until it become has become now worldwide and 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 the the, the highest percentage of population religion in the world and the one that is um, gathering momentum like faster than any other religion and conversions I don't know if you realize that even though we're not having as many babies as um, Islam and 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 we, we the conversion rate of Christians at the moment we don't see it too much in our Western world but it, around the world it is like escalating like it's the end days like it's like all happening right now and um, if you have a look at the statistics they'll blow your mind but it, we're coming back to reading about the, how it all began with this church in Ephesus with just a handful of people I think it's really cool and we can identify with so many things in here and Paul is writing a letter to them that's only six chapters long to the church just starting out surely there's pages and pages and letters and letters of information and tips and and stuff like that that Paul could communicate but he condenses it down to just six chapters to three weeks of us going through it on a Sunday morning to find out what he had to say to this early church. I just think it's cool. You want me to start reading? Otherwise, we won't get through it. Let's go from chapter 5 and verse 1. It's titled, Living in the Light. Imitate God, therefore, in everything that you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with hope, following the example of Christ. He loves us. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes. These are not for you. Instead, say instead. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, uh, worshipping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in these things that people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now, say now, you have been filled with the light of the Lord. So live as people of the light. For this light is within you, and it produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, there it is again, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that are ungodly that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. 
Don't be drunk with wine and because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a passage, this is a text, this is a, a few paragraphs really of the do's and the don'ts. But as I'm reading this, I'm realizing he didn't write it in that way, the do's and the don'ts. He wrote it in the way of the don'ts and the do's. The don'ts and the do's. It sounds funny even to hear it because we normally refer to rules as the do's and the don'ts. But here, uh, um, it's highlighted to me, probably because I've highlighted it in pink, but it's obvious to me that he's not just giving this early church, a list of don'ts. But he's giving them an alternate list of do's. This is, this is the start of the early church. And right from the beginning, we need to just note here that the church is not, the kingdom is not, God is not building an empire on a bunch of rules. But he is giving us insight into a better way. You see that? So it's not just, the hey, don't do this, but instead do this. And Paul starts to, he starts to write, he's preaching to these people, even though he's writing. He's preaching to them. He's getting excited and he's going, you know, there's, there's lots of stuff in your life that you really shouldn't be doing. Instead of doing that, do this. And you can just see him getting excited and giving you another option. Like this is actually how God's wanted you to, don't waste your life away doing all this stuff. He's got so much more for you, you know. He's getting really excited with the do's. The do list, it's all in how you read it. He says this in, I love, I don't know what the original translation, how they, but in verse 4, obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse language, these are not for you, but instead. These are not for you. I like that line, these are not for you. He doesn't say, hey, don't say bad jokes, don't talk to, he says, there's stuff in this world that's not right, it's not for you. Look, don't pick it up. There's something better for you to pick up. Yeah? These are not for you. And, and this line, these are not for you, was... Uh, I want to just stop and make a point on this because it spoke volumes to me. I remember when I was in a, uh, a hard play, a hard time. I was struggling under... Um, um, a, there was a big issue going on in my life and, and um, I was frustrated very frustrated and I was angry. Uh, I wasn't seeing clearly. And uh, I remember meeting with somebody and I just spilled my guts out to them. I wanted them to help me, but I, I, I found myself just just saying all this stuff that, you know, I don't know where that came from, but it had built up. Um, and, and what I wished I could have said to people but hadn't, I'd said to this person, right? I just opened up. And, and I wanted him to get on board with me. I wanted him to say, yeah, you know what? You're right. I knew he wasn't going to say that. But what he did say was, he said, he was very wise in what he said. He said this, he said, this is not you. This is not you talking to me right now. I know you, and this is not you. You're not playing your cards, he said. You're playing somebody else's hand. You've... Be, this is not 
you. And, and those words, this is not you, at the time was the very thing that broke me out of that place, that broke me out of that bondage, those chains. Because uh, even though I might have thought I had a right to act and think and talk the way that I was doing, I realized that I had left behind the personality and the person that God had made me to, to be someone that could vent and, and to, you know. And he said, this is not you. And from that time on, I realized it wasn't. And so I embraced who I actually am and what I'm actually like. And, you know, and I was able to let go of so many things. And Paul writes like that. And that reminded me when I read that, these are not for you. It's all in the way you look at it. It's all in the way you say it. I have uh, one child. Um, actually, I have two children. One of my children is um, her love language is physical touch. She, you probably know the one I'm talking about right now. She loves to just snuggle into you. She loves, she loves cuddles. Like I get 30 cuddles a day from this child, where I might get one cuddle every 30 days from the other child. And I get, um, I get cuddles from this. And right from the very beginning, we knew this girl's love language was physical touch. She's been going through um, um, primary school, and they say the mid-years of primary school, year four especially, is a, is a tough time for girls to actually, you know, they sort of transition. I was going to say transform. <laughs> they... they they start pushing boundaries. They start, you know, all that kind of stuff. And and um, this girl, and I, I'll just say Mia. You all know I'm talking about Mia. <laughs> Mia, who would normally be so loving and, and cuddly and soft and gentle, became quite violent. She would always resort to, to punching her sister when she got angry. She would, you know, she would kick us when, you know, she would just... She would have this outlet of, of violence, but it was still a physical touch. You get that? Like, her, phys- her love language is, is physical touch. So she loves the cuddles. And that's how she expresses love. But also when she expresses frustration and, and stuff like that, that's physically as well. You get me? Maxie, you know what I'm talking about. We couldn't work through this with her. We just kept saying, don't hit your sister. Don't, you know, she, she got in trouble at school a couple of times. It's like, don't do that. We realized that the giving of rules of don't was not helping. Not until we gave her another alternative, like Paul was doing to these guys. We said, hey... In, and, and, we st- and I remembered that what happened to me and my breakthrough. So we started to say things like to her like, Mia, this is not you. You're not, this, we know who you are. You will, and you, would, you start talking like that and you just see you just melt, you know. It's like, and so we've got to choose our words right. And Paul's choosing his words right here. It's not a kingdom based on don'ts. It's a kingdom based on, hey, look at what you can have. Look at, let's explore, let's jump into this. Let's get excited about what we can do, not what we can't do. Amen? I've written a couple of things here. You, are, you who are 
You are who... Uh, I've written it wrong. Let me just try and get my words right. You are not who your bad habits say you are, or portray you are. You are not the negative, the negativity in your life. That does not sum up who you are. Because Mia started to say things like, I'm, I'm just like this. This is who I am. No, you're not. You're actually who God made you to be. And we have that choice. So she's been made with physical touch as a love language. She has the choice to go down a negative road with that or instead to go into what God has got for her in that. Do you see what I'm trying to say here? So we are not defined by our negative habits, by our addictions. You know how it's so easy to define ourselves by our addictions? I'm an alcoholic. I'm a gambler. No, well, you're not. You're actually who God says you are. And let, let's not let our negative outworks speak over who we are. We, we are sinners saved by grace. We are, the child, we are children of God. We're not, sorry, we're not sinners. We are children of God that sometimes sin. You hear it? see the difference there? We're not stark in the don'ts. We're, we've been released and we're living in the freedom of the do's. It's just sometimes we trip up. But that's all right because God's calling us to not identify ourselves as that person, but the person he calls us to. Okay. You got my point. We can move on. I only move on when I see you all going. I get it. If you don't do that, I'll stay there and just repeat myself. Thanks, Wayne. This little group of Christians, the Church of Ephesus, this little gathering of believers, were about to go out and change the world. It wasn't going to happen by just being like everybody else. Paul was charging them. He was challenging them. Don't act and come across like everybody else in the world. Don't do that. Do this. Chase after God. You know, don't get caught up in coarse languages, coarse language and bad jokes. Be thankful in all that you do. May there be an extreme difference between us and the world. I need to repeat that because you haven't got that. May there be an extreme difference between us who carry the presence of God and somebody who doesn't. You know, we are the same as everybody else, but we should never come across the same as everybody. You, you should be able to People should be able to look at you and see a distinct difference in you. And Paul is saying to these guys, yeah, I know what you've come from, but don't just blur in, don't just, don't just be the same as everybody else. You guys are about to, you guys are the early church. You guys are the, God's plan for the world. You guys need to break out of who you are. Break out of some of your bad habits. Break out of some of the don'ts. And just go for the do's. You hear me this morning? Okay. Where do we get up to? Verse 21. He moves into uh, some, some tips for marriages. 
This is cool. Because I thought about this. Six chapters. He summarized up his message to this early church and everything that is important for them at this stage. And he slips marriage in as one of the greatest things. I think that's really cool. One of the things, a paragraph out of his only six chapters of writing to this church is about healthy marriages. I think Paul's onto something here. He must have known I would be preaching on marriage week. And he gives some tips. And I won't keep reading. We've got a, we've got a lot to get through. But he basically gives the tip to husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. He charges the men of this gathering and he says, you men, you want a healthy marriage, you want healthy lives, love your wife like Christ loved the church and died for her. Love in that way. And you women, respect and honour your man, your husband, and, and, and it says these are the two keys that are going to help you with a great marriage. And you know what? It's still the same today. You can go to marriage seminar after marriage seminar, and this will be the greatest key that they'll ever te- they'll teach it in other ways. But basically, Christ set it up so that a man would be honoured and respected, and he would love to the death as a result. And the woman, as she has felt loved to the death, she will honour and she will respect her man. And he set up this cycle that unfortunately we see broken a lot. But if we can, if we can focus in on our role in that cycle, if you, if you say, you know what, we got issues, but you know what, I'm not going to drop the ball on my requirement here. I'm going to love my wife to the death. And wives, you know you can't drop the ball. Even if you're not feeling that love, you start honouring and respecting and the man will start to love. Like it's a, it's a vicious cycle. It just keeps going and going. It's great and it's what we should be building on. There's a tip. And I just think it's fascinating that Paul, writing to this early church, could be writing about all sorts of things, and he slips in there, this is how you have a good relationship, spouses. I think that's really cool. And then he moves on to children and parents. Children, honour your parents. For if you do, it says this in chapter 6, it's the, only, it's the only requirement that comes with a promise that if you honour your parents, things will go well for you and long life. It's fascinating some of these practical little tips that he slips into a very short letter to a church starting out. And I think well, it was worth stopping this morning just to highlight those two issues. It moves on to slaves and masters, or in other words, your work ethic. That's a big one. That's a big point. And he thought it was valid to put in this short letter, is your work ethic. It says in verse 6, halfway through it, As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Verse 7, work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than people. There's a great little insight there. I mean, you could take that away and spend months just reading over that and letting that sink in. 
And right through this chapter, he's got some gems. We come to verse 10. Let's read a little bit more from there. I've got another five minutes. Verse 10, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Say that with me. Ready? Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. This is his last charge. This is his last chapter of this letter to this early church. Final word, be strong in the Lord and in his power. Let's be people that build our strength in the Lord. They tell me, because I don't go to gyms, that unless you use your muscles, they get smaller. They, they, they deteriorate. And they have to be used continually for it to build our strength, right? And Paul is saying here to grow in your strength in the Lord. That's a challenge for all of us. That's a challenge that in our relationship with God, it's not the same as it was last year or the year before. Have you ever challenged yourself in that? Does it look the same? Paul is saying, grow in the strength. Grow in your strength and in God's mighty power. Verse 11, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to, to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be still standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth around and the body armor of God's righteousness. Well, that's the breastplate if you've been in church long enough. Verse 15, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news. Let's, hold on, let's just slow down because some of us are just hearing this for the 30th time and it's not sinking in. This is how you grow in the strength of God, by putting these things on, deliberately putting them on. Now, it's a conscious effort to put our clothes on, you know, deliberately put it on. Some people can do it quickly. Garen, some people can do it over an hour, Cassia. Like, but it's a, it's a deliberate decision to put these things on. The belt of truth, truth, put it on, wear it, use it. And the body armor of God's righteousness, righteousness, put it on, put on righteousness. What does that mean? Well, it means every day, in every moment, you've got two choices. You've got the choice to do the don't, you've got the choice to do the do. Put on the do. Put on the righteousness of God. Put on what he is asking of you. Put on what you know to be right. For shoes, peace. Put on peace. 
that comes from the good news. Some of you have forgotten even what peace is. It's been so long. You're stressed. I don't know, you're in an environment or a situation that uh, peace just doesn't seem like the right card to play. But God is saying, put on peace. Interesting, it's on your feet. Wherever you go, let peace be the thing that takes you there. Make peace be the goal of where you're walking. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news. You know how to have a peaceful life? It comes from the good news. You need to understand the good news that is for you. If you understand the good news to your life, you can slip on the shoes of peace like nothing else will, will phase you if we truly understand the gospel and the good news that has come to us. But it's a conscious decision to put on. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Interesting that the shield of faith, that, 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 that faith goes with the shield. Like a shield you would think would be for a defensive mechanism. But faith is an offensive tool, right? Faith is an action. Faith is a stepping out into something. It's not a defensive tool. It's an offensive tool. But he calls faith a shield. Don't forget to step out in faith. It will protect you. Stepping out in faith will protect you. If you become a Christian that stops to step out in faith, that, that doesn't step out in faith anymore, you are becoming a vulnerable Christian with no shield. Interesting, isn't it? That it's not just something that we protect ourselves with, but he's aligned it with something that is forcing us to step out. When you go to your work tomorrow, step out in faith when you're talking to that person. Step out in faith in your finances. Step out in faith in all the areas of your life because in doing so, it's not only an offensive move, but you're protecting yourself. Interesting, isn't it? In addition to all these, hold up your shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet. Put on salvation as your helmet. You know, salvation is free for the whole world. It's there and it's available. Only, one, only people that are going to make it in the end, they, those that choose to put it on. Those that choose to receive it. Receive what Christ has done. Put on your helmet of salvation and take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And I finish with this line, verse 18. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Again, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Pray in the Spirit at all times. Pray in the Spirit at all times. Let me encourage you in your prayer life to let it be led by the Spirit. Led by the Spirit.
Let me encourage you like Paul encouraged everybody to be people that speak in tongues. He encouraged everybody in that. Do that in your prayer life. If you don't speak in tongues, it's fine. If you're on a journey, come and chat with me. I'm happy to answer any questions. But if you've decided it's not for you, still, in some way, pray in the Spirit. May your prayers be led by the Spirit. May you still be following what God has got for you and leading you into when he brings something to mind to pray for. Pray for it. That's being led by the Spirit in your prayer life. And it was his final charge to them. It was his final thing to tell them to do. Don't forget, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Great book, huh? What's your favorite part? The book of Ephesians. Give it to me. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry? God's power? Yeah, that's right. Peace? Yep. Right. Yeah. Yep. Come on. Yeah, that was fantastic. Yeah, we looked in that in the first session. Adopted children of God. What else? Give God glory. Thank you, Wayno. Chris. Yeah. The do's. Yeah. Yes, it's a choice, isn't it? Put on his armor every day. I caught up with Pete the other day, and um, that's Pete that just said that. And, and um, I asked him if he didn't mind me sharing this. He said I could. Um, a few weeks ago, he was texting me and saying he was in a, not in a good place. He was at work, not in a good environment, and he didn't know how he was going to go on. Um, it was a situation in his workplace that he was forced to be in, and, um, but he was struggling. Um, it was an environment that he knew only too well. It was an environment that he'd come out of. God had brought him out of a particular environment. Um, I know if some of you might know Pete's background. And um, But he found himself face-to-face with this again at his work environment and he didn't know how he was going to go on. There were some people there caught up in um, the wrong thing and uh, it was bringing stuff back to him. It was bringing back memories. It was bringing back 
fights that he's had in the past, you know, battles that he's had to work through. And, um, and so I was, hopefully I was just standing with him in that time and praying with him. But then I caught up with him only a week ago. So this is two weeks after. I was like, what, what's going on, man? He's, and, he, and, and he'd completely changed his tune. And um, he said, you know what? I feel like God is calling me into that environment now where before I thought I was, God, why are you sending me back? And why are you letting me be stuck in this environment? I've come out of this. And, uh, um, but now he feels like in some way God is um, calling him, challenging him to go into that environment with purpose. So now instead of going to work with fear and anxiety, he's going with purpose that he might be able to help somebody else that he's come out of. And I just think that's fantastic. And um, so I pray for Pete. He's on um, the front line every week. But um, I just thought that's, that's something that Paul would challenge, challenge the early believer, this early church, to say, hey, hey, you just said put on, you know, go putting on the power of God and the armor of God. But, but, the, but the, don't become a victim to your surroundings like my illustration with Mia, you know, but choose what God has got for you and what he's calling you into. And God, Pete found himself in a particular situation, but being in, instead of that being um, defining over his life that he was stuck in this hard place, he chose to see it as though God was equipping him to go back and to, and to do something for him. And so now he's going with purpose. Oh, I just think that's fantastic. So good. Let's pray together as we finish the service. Lord, we thank you for your scriptures. We thank you for your word comes alive to us. And uh, we do not want to be people that just study this book once a week, but it, it has no outlet in our life. It has no, uh, it doesn't actually come across in our life. We want to be people that carry the spirit of God that is in this book. We want to be people that carries the Jesus Christ that this book is. We want to be people that carry you into our world. So we thank you for these insights. We thank you for these tools and these tips. Many of us, we can identify with these early Christians in Ephesus. And I pray over every single person here this morning, God, a great blessing, a great empowerment for us to go into our world, for us to change our world like the early church changed the world. Empower us, Holy Spirit. Empower us, Lord. Lead us in our prayer life and in our walk with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, have a great week, full of power and full of purpose. And uh, we'll see you next weekend. Don't forget, we've got a bunch of things on next weekend.